Welcome to Quick Hits, the only podcast that gets you smartenized. Today's episode, Sickly Wikipedia. One of the things that always fascinated me about the online world, one of the first things when I first started to get online was how easy it was to get information from an expert. Now, I'm not talking about the early days of the internet. I'm talking about before that. Before the internet was available to the general public, we were communicating on 300 baud modems, 1200 baud modems. We were using things like Genie and CompuServe and Prodigy which charged hourly rates up to 24, 25 bucks an hour. And single line BBSs that would, people would call in on these bulletin boards and have conversations back and forth. And the cool thing was that if you needed expert advice or an expert opinion, you could find it. You didn't know who the expert was, but you knew that they were out there. So you'd post your question, say, how do you get blood out of ceiling tiles? And someone in an hour or a day would say, oh, here's how you do it. And someone else would say, well, you know, there's a better way to do it. And well, no, no, this is the way to do it. And of course, why the hell do you need to get blood out of ceiling tiles? And you'd have these conversations and it tended to be self-correcting. And although people were still somewhat anonymous because people have always used handles and nicknames online, you got to know folks. You had the same people attending the same forums and participating, and you got to know who really knew what they were talking about and who were really the twits. And of course, now the internet is full of forums of all sorts. It's not quite the same thing because you get a lot of people that will just do drive-by postings and you never hear from them again. But for the most part, again, you get to know who knows what they're talking about and who doesn't, who is just pontificating and really has nothing to add to the conversation. But now we have the Wikipedia. The Wikipedia built on the premise that, well, if we let everybody edit anything, it'll be wonderful. It'll be brilliant. Yeah, that works real well. It actually does work pretty well if you're dealing with something like a hard fact, like Who is George Washington's parents? Or, you know, something that is pretty much agreed upon. But the problem arises when you're dealing with anything that is even remotely controversial. And that's what I'm going to do on this show. I'm going to illustrate what happens when you post actual real facts on a controversial subject that people don't like. Now, I was hoping this would be a little more dramatic that I could post these things, and by the time that I got done posting fact number five, fact number one or two would have been eliminated from the Wikipedia. But it doesn't happen quite that fast. I went in and I made a bunch of changes, uh, five to be specific, on the passive smoking page, and it took two hours for them to all be reverted back to the original text. They were all reverted by one guy, by the way, who did it all in one pass. It was like, "Eh, I don't want any of these facts to be available to people. And so they were just gone as if they never happened. I did this experiment on Saturday. That would be uh, December 2nd, around uh, 1138, 1138 to be exact. I started 
making changes to the passive smoking page on the Wikipedia. Now, this is a subject that I'm obsessed with and passionate about and know quite a bit about, and I was very careful that everything that I put there was a solid fact. I started at the bottom. I started where they have the other links references, and I put two links there. One was a link to my page, the facts, and it just said, three ETS studies examined. That was it. Now, I've done this before. I've made changes to this page before. I don't think I'll bother with it again for reasons that will become obvious by the end of this show. But I've done it before and was told, oh, please don't post links to your blog. Well, I'm sorry, but if you've been on the facts, it's not a blog. It never was a blog. There's nothing faintly bloggish about it. And it was something that I put together very careful to separate the fact from the opinion. Facts are labeled in bold print. Fact. And then the fact is listed. And then any commentary comes underneath. And it's a site that actually has some prominence on the internet. If you search for secondhand smoke on Google, it's usually on page one. Sometimes it's on the top of page two. It tends to fluctuate up and down a little bit. But it's not just a random source, just a random blog, but it presents facts that are really uncomfortable to the folks who belong to the anti-smoker religion. So I posted that link, and then a minute later at 11.39, I posted a link to the Social Smokers of New York to their page where they have listed every single secondhand smoke study that they can find with all the numbers what the confidence intervals were, what the RRs were, the whole thing listed them all out, showed which ones were statistically insignificant, which ones uh, had very small increases that really don't mean anything, explained it all very well. And being familiar with this information, as far as I can see, they also got all their facts straight. They got them all correct. The next thing that I changed regarded the WHO study. Now, this was a study that they sat on and tried to bury uh, because the study really didn't prove anything. Uh, it showed no correlation between secondhand smoke and illness. And it was a well-done study. It was done across 12 different places and seven different countries. Nicely put together, well done, but it gave them results that they didn't like. Well, here in the Wikipedia, that's pretty much ignored. Here's the text that I changed. I didn't actually change. I just added to it. In response, the WHO issued a press release stating that the results of the study had been completely misrepresented in the popular press and were, in fact, very much in line with similar studies demonstrating the harms of passive smoking. And I added this one line. However, they admitted that none of the risks were statistically significant. And that was followed with a reference to the study itself, or excuse me, to the press release itself, which I left intact. So there was no question that that was an accurate fact for anybody who wanted to just click on that link. Then I moved up to a study by Enstrom and Kabat. Now these guys did a study, it's called a cohort study, which is the most accurate and also most expensive and time-consuming kind of study to do. It involves following a single group of people, a very large group of people, 35,000 people in this case, over a long period of time, 39 years for this. And before, the text read, the study was funded and managed by the Center for Indoor Air Research, a tobacco industry front group. I changed it 
to say, most of the study was funded by UCLA and the American Cancer Society who pulled their funding just as the study was being completed. The authors were forced to seek funding elsewhere, but the only place willing to continue the funding was the Center for Indoor Air Research, which is funded by tobacco companies. A real fact, an honest fact, but a fact that they didn't like a whole lot. And then for the piece de resistance, I put a single line at the top of the page, actually several paragraphs down, that said, the phrase passive smoking was coined by Dr. Fritz Licht in his book Tobacco and the Organism, which he wrote while working for Adolf Hitler's Anti-Tobacco League. That's a fact that they're really uncomfortable with. And sure enough, within two hours, every single one of those facts and links had been purged as if they'd never existed. Gone. Just... And every one of them was accurate. And every one of them was correct. There are people that camp out on those pages, and as soon as any changes are made... They go in and they're gone. Now, the Wikipedia used to have a page called Secondhand Smoke, and they merged that in with Passive Smoking. And the very name of that page tells you that you're not going to get any unbiased information there. In fact, when things get a little hairy, they had a whole uh, section there on the Helena study, which was just an incredibly bogus study. I have two pages about it on the facts. And they eventually just removed the whole thing because they got tired, evidently, of, of fighting people that would, were posting real facts about this study. And there's just one line there now that refers to it. It simply quotes the claims as if they're valid. So this is what you can expect from the Wikipedia whenever you've got anything that's even remotely controversial. People are going to be sitting on those pages, hanging out on those pages. Any changes that they don't like, whether they're factual or not, are going to be purged, are going to be gone, Nobody's ever going to see them. I was cruising around there and I hit the global warming page. And right there, right in the top of the global warming page, is a picture of the hockey stick graph. Now this graph is an absolute piece of garbage. It has been discounted and discredited 15, 20 different times by all kinds of different people with different levels of expertise. It is complete bullshit. And yet, it's the very first thing you see when you look up the global warming page. So that's the bottom line, folks. If you want to know something really specific, Wikipedia is fine for it. But if you want to know anything about anything that's even slightly controversial, the Wikipedia is probably your worst possible source out there. You're much better off to go out there and read what different people have to say on different things and forget using the Wikipedia as an authority. And they don't even have a page that tells you how to get blood out of ceiling tiles. And by the way, if you're wondering where that came from, it's from an old telemarketing uh, trick that I used to use when people would call and they were selling cleaning services. I'd say, oh, I'm so glad you called. Can you get blood out of ceiling tiles? And can you come over really quick? And they'd usually hang up and you'd never hear from them again. And that's it for this episode of the Quick Hits Podcast. If you've learned a little something, if you've changed your mind, or even if you can just understand a different point of view without necessarily agreeing with it, 
Congratulations. You've been Smartinized. I've been getting a lot of email from folks just saying, you're always asking for email, so I'm just writing to you to tell you that I love the show. And that's cool. That's great. I love getting that stuff. It's hitman at davehit.com, and you can get the correct spellings in the MP3 tags of this file. Or you can go to davehit.com, and uh, that's spelled with two T's, and you'll find the podcast there. You'll find a Quick Hits blog, which has a fair amount of stuff in it, and the articles. I don't change the articles on the front page there very often. I used to do it on a regular basis, but now I spend most of my time here on the podcast as far as uh, creating stuff for online. But yeah, I do love hearing from folks. Let me just read an email that I received here from Jeff. He says, I'm behind on my podcast listening and just caught the lipid leg in episode. As a huge Repairman Jack fan, I really appreciate your read of FPW's earlier work. If you do start reading more of Repairman Jack stories, I hope you enjoy them as much as I do. I've only read one of them so far. I liked it. I picked up another F. Paul Wilson book. It's about medical students. I'm trying to remember the name of it. And uh, I'm in the middle of reading it right now. I don't have it handy. But uh, it, it was funny because I bought a bunch of used books at the library. And I looked specifically for F. Paul Wilson. I was looking for Repairman Jack. There weren't any, but I got this other one of his. And one of the books I was reading was a crime novel. And it was just... <sighs> not good they were they found uh, two bodies in the park and one was burned and they had these different characters and the author thought it was artsy to write in short clipped sentences and semi-sentences and the characters talked the same way and i put i got about 30 or 40 pages in it and i said you know what this sucks and i just threw it aside and picked up the f paul wilson and started reading it I was like man this guy knows how to write there's just so much difference between somebody who knows the craft and who does it well and somebody who's just turning out garbage. I, I really have I've become a fan of, of that Paul Wilson. He writes, I've been a subscriber since you've changed your opening to the non-RIAA surf music you now use and really enjoy the show. Well, that's quite a change because I think I used, uh, I used RIAA music for uh, I think the first five episodes and I actually wrote and said what do I have to do to do this legally and they said well you have to jump through these 43 hoops and I said screw it and hooked up with um, went to GarageBand found a piece of music that I like asked permission and uh, was told by the author sure all you have to do is say who we are once in a while so and I don't do that often enough probably it's the Aquamarines and you can go to the Aquamarines.com and you can get this song without me talking over it and you can buy their CDs and thank them for letting me use this as theme music. He finishes up, as for the long shot, how do you feel about Ron Paul's Christian heritage comments? And he gives me a, a link to one of Paul's articles. It seems weird to me that somebody who walked the walk for smaller government and strict constitutional guidelines would miss the mark like that. And the article starts out with Paul saying, uh, lamenting about people attacking Christmas displays in the public. And I, I kind of agree with him on that. I, I, I think that's a battle that's not worth fighting. And being a, a hardcore atheist, I actually still enjoy Christmas. I celebrate it and I don't mind decorations. But he goes on to talk about how the founders wanted this to be a Christian nation. And that's just bullshit. The founders were 
for the most part, largely deists. Some of them were Christian, but Jefferson and Washington and Franklin, a lot of them were deists, not Christians. In fact, Jefferson went so far as to write his own version of the Gospels where he cut out any references to miracles or Jesus' divinity because he thought Jesus was a great man, but not the Son of God. This is not what people who want a Christian nation do. And they, they could have put that in the Constitution. It would have certainly been accepted by the people, uh, but they didn't, and they intentionally left it out. And then Paul misrepresents. He says something in this particular article about None of their writings say that government and religion should be separate. Again, he's wrong. And in another article of his that I read, he says that Jefferson's wall of separation line is misinterpreted and taken out of context. No, Ron, it's not. You're wrong on this one. You're wrong on a few things, but you're right on most things. So I'm still going to pull that lever down for you or right in if I have to. And I think that's going to wrap up the closing comments here. So the only thing left for me to do is remind you that the Quick Hits Podcast is little more than a journal of one man's opinion. Therefore, it should not be taken too seriously. Seriously.